Welcome to the Uno Mas podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Kay, daughter of Christ, wife, mom, brand, and social media specialist, strategist, and coach. I invite you to join thousands of other listeners and me each week in elevating your brand, business, and life. With a foundation of faith, I help you create an irresistible brand and a voice to be heard, leveraging social media in the online space to impact individuals, build and scale communities, and develop simple strategies for a thriving and profitable online business. The Moss Podcast is here to inspire you to dream, think, and do big. Talking all things faith, family, life, business, and the in-between. Stop feeling overwhelmed, confused, and stuck at a standstill. And start feeling confident, productive, and fueled with purpose in your life and business again. Today I sit down and I have a really in-depth conversation with Dr. Roe Schmidt. Dr. Roe is a management consultant, professor, motivational speaker, podcast host, author, pastoral intern, and the list goes on. But more importantly, Dr. Roe has had a life of journeys, just like any of us, that has really paved the way for what her true purpose in life is and what drives her mission moving forward. Not too long ago, Dr. Rowe lost her son. And we talk about this today in a really in-depth conversation. I want you to listen in to hear her story and her intake and her purpose moving forward on what life's purpose truly is and finding that purpose through your life journey. Let's go ahead and dive right in. Well, Dr. Rowe, I am so thankful that you are here with me tonight um, speaking and that we get to have just an awesome conversation. We met on Clubhouse and I just think it's so amazing how a single app could bring together so many amazing people and so many phenomenal people. And you were one of those people. And I was so excited when you said yes to jumping on this podcast with me. So before we get into our conversation, one of the things I love asking all my guests is what is one thing about you? Most people don't know. Sure. So most people would not know that when I was a teenager, I sang lead in a play (laughs) and I laugh about it now, but you know, the show Annie, the play Annie. Yes. Yes. So I was one of the leads or the lead in that play with, with a a, a dear friend. (laughs) And I can't believe that. So I did not know that about you, but I'm not going to say I would have never guessed that about you. I could possibly see you embracing <laughs> that role. Absolutely. Shy young girl. I can't even believe I did it, but, um, I didn't <sighs> know what all those things were. I just know I'm a soprano and I take it in stride and sing in the shower now as an adult. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love it. I absolutely love it. I bet your husband loves that too. (laughs) As that, but you know, sometimes I'm sure he's like, shut up. He just doesn't tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well, one of the things that I was most attracted to with you is just your story. You have such a powerful story 
you've been through so much. You are so knowledgeable. Um, you're a professor, you're a doctor, you're, I mean, you just have a mission and a passion for what it is that you're doing. And we're going to get into that in a minute, but how I want to lead into that, because I really feel like this is truly who you are is a phrase, the phrase walking in your purpose. What does that mean to you? Because I know you could go real deep with that, but I would love to know what that actually means to you. Because I think walking in your purpose is exactly who Dr. Rowe is and what you're doing right now. And I think it's phenomenal. So I'm just going to let you run with that. What does that phrase mean to you? Sure. So when I think about walking in purpose immediately, I think about a divine direction that God has me in. I, I didn't ask for, for whatever this path is. I was chosen to walk the way that God wants me to walk. And I say that in all seriousness with my own personal mission coupled with that, which is to be a beacon to every person I encounter. That is my divine journey of walking in purpose. I absolutely love that. And, you know, from what we've spoke about before your purpose, it has, it's pivoted a little bit throughout your life, you know, because your story has shifted, you have shifted your, your experiences. I mean, this goes for really everybody, they shift, right? So walking in your purpose, I truly believe too, is being open to that pivot, you know, where life might take you and then developing your purpose on a greater level. Um, so I love that you mentioned that cause it's just, it's beautiful. Um, so when you think about your journey up into this point and the mission that you're on, what would you say it excites you the most? You know, in regards to the mission I'm on, it's been a journey, but the most exciting aspect of it is doing what God has commissioned me to for his glory. I didn't immediately see that. I, since I was a younger girl, I said, I'm going to be a missionary one day. I'm going to go in other countries and I'm going to speak Spanish. And I've been able to do that a little bit, but God, the, the excitement that God has brought me in being a true beacon to young people, to older people, to just anyone with the stories of my life, with my, my children, just every aspect, everything that has happened to me from birth to adulthood, just being that person that can take a lived experience and express to other people, I see you. I've learned a new expression and it's called Salbona and it's in South African. It means I see you. Like I truly see you. I feel you. I feel and I see exactly why God allowed me to see the lens of other people through my own challenges. I can sit and wallow. I can cry. I can mull over it and think I'm never going to get out of this. But why do that? There are prophets and prophetesses in the Bible who've been given stories that we can now look at today and go, oh, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. So God gave me a story and now I can go and help others to say, you know what? I need to help you with your mission through God and his power and through my story. Cause it's not about me. It's really about them and the power that God has given me to help them get to where they're going. Would you feel open enough to kind of elaborate a little bit more on your story? Like what is your mission right now? Sure. So, um, I, I will 
round it out by just saying, cause it's such, you know, so many things have happened, but it, it's, that's why my life has pivoted so much from a little girl. I was raised in a cult. I would just say that just straight out for 31 years. And the, there's a bad part of that. And there's a good part. The good part, which I'll bring out here is I was born to write, teach, and speak. I know that with certainty just because of that religion, the way they prep you, giving you a couple of scriptures and making you do things impromptu. So if I were to be put on a stage and someone said, Dr. Rose, speak about this, I could do it because that's the way I was trained from two years old. So I'm thankful for that because that's why I teach it you know, now and I can do that and I can speak across the country. With that, moving forward, I left my religion and I didn't know who I was because I was always molded to be who someone else wanted me to be, right? So I left that religion. I maintained a quote unquote status that other people wanted me to. Like my dad would say, you know, you really should do taxes because that's going to make you money. Um, you're going to be solid. Well, I, I did taxes, but you know, just knowing me this little bit of time, that is not my personality to sit in a desk and be like, okay, let me do your taxes. You know, I am analytical, but <laughs> I'm just too outgoing. So I tried it. I worked at a, at a target headquarters for one year as an accountant. It was stuffy. And this is back in the day, right? just mm -mm, not me. And so that led me to open my own office. I still could help people, but moving forward, when I lost, when I left my religion, I lost my clientele. They, that religion cuts you off. They shun you. So I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm riding down the street. I see a big old sign and it says, you can prevent child abuse. That in essence got me into advocacy. But at the same time, I realized I wasn't healed from what happened to me as a child, being kidnapped, being abused, all of those things. It just was too much. So God needed me to see I want you to be on this mission, just not right now. I went to school, I completed more education and have morphed into someone who loves business. I love the Lord, but I also love nonprofit advocacy. So I married those together. I'm a management consultant. I love all of that. I'm thinking all is well. I take that management consulting skill. I go in the classroom, teach kids and adults real life application, right? So I'm able to say to them, not just let me teach you out of a book, but we are going to save businesses, companies that are nonprofits, uh, startup entrepreneurships. I mean, all of that, they can't afford sometimes to have a business plan, a marketing plan, a strategic plan, a project management plan. So I have a long list. I mean, still to this day, people will come, can your students work on this? And I have watched over 13 years, companies thrive because of my students. Right. Um, I mean, huge. And that's great for them because they can put it on their resume. Right. So that's a gift. And I thought this is what I'm meant to do. Well, just three years ago, um, that changed for me. It shifted. I started to see a shift in the environment of academia, especially with people who look like me. And I just believe that sometimes you can think that God has a path for you and this is it, but it may not be in that place. So what God was saying to me is I love for you to teach. I love for you to write. And I love for you to speak just not in this arena. When my son died a year later, that changed everything. 
when Giovanni passed away by his own hands to say that to me as a mom, if you would have told me this five years ago, I would have said, absolutely not. My kids are going to bury me for me to go through that stuff. My whole family, the pain only God and trauma therapy can let me sit here today and talk to you in a strong manner. I feel my son, I feel his presence and I must speak for him, but I can tell you it knocked me out. It took me out. I, I just said, I'm, I'm not, I can't, I can't, um, do what God has commissioned me to Lord. Do you want me to, to do this? Am I worthy? Just a lot of things came in my mind, um, to learn that 19 other kids after my child took their lives I believed that to be a wake up call. And when I say 19, I'm just talking in my small surrounding area, 17 of them boys, young as my 18 year old was or younger. God was talking to me directly. What are you going to do about this? There's many organizations, no competition. It's just what can Dr. Rowe do to help? Um, with that, I knew directly that because I've always been an advocate for abuse, for kidnapping, which are things that happened to me, my nonprofit is called No More Crap. No more children ripped apart from parents. God showed me whap over the head. Wait a minute. Giovanni was ripped from you. These kids were ripped from their parents. What can you do about this? I have a very busy life, but I do one event a year to bring awareness to that and throughout the year, send cards to people. So I, I just say all of that to you to say, we can think we're on a mission for one thing. When God sends you not just on a pivot, but a whole merry-go-round of circles, sometimes it's spiritual warfare. Sometimes it's the Holy spirit saying, get off your butt and do what I tell you to do. <laughs> And other times it's close this door because maybe there's another table waiting for you somewhere else. And then there's times that he allows, he never wants anything bad to happen to us. You know that, but there's times when he allows things to happen in our life, almost as wake up calls for us to realize that okay, we need to go this direction. There's a greater purpose for yeah. me here. And in that way, the fact that you were obedient enough to listen and be directed and now stand so strong in your mission, in your word, in your impact, in your story, it's just, it's admirable. Like it really is admirable. And I just want you to know that like, it's such a beautiful thing to see when somebody truly embraces their calling. And I think that's what you've done. And I think it's, it's amazing. You all glory to God. Indeed. I say that with the utmost respect, I would not be who I am today without the way that God has pivoted my life and been there. I'm certainly not perfect, but he gives you sometimes or allows, I should say the worst situations to train you. If everything was so hunky dory, I mean, what would be the purpose? You wouldn't have anything to talk about. You really wouldn't be able to go through challenges, you know, or help anybody else because how can you, if you've never been through it yourself. So I don't relish in being around individuals who 
I call it judgment. Like, let's say you have friends around you and they're like, oh my goodness, Whitney, I would never, (laughs) you know, those kind of people. It's like, what do you mean you would never? Have you ever? So when people have gone through things and that humility kicks in, they can say to you, Whitney, I'm here for you. Whitney K, I'm here for you. I hear you. I see you. And if you're wrong, they're going to tell you that too, because they walk those shoes. They can give you resources. They can help you because they have walked where you are. And I know that we are all given those stories, whether they're huge, small, and different for those reasons. Oh, I absolutely love that. That actually helps me lead into my next question because there's so many people that are in this like limbo in their life, you know, one foot in one foot out, maybe they're going through a life struggle. Maybe they're, you know, on the high of their life, but they just don't feel fully connected. Right. What are some tips that you would give to someone that's struggling with finding that true joy in their life's purpose? Um, when they have been dealt maybe a certain hand in life, so to say, like you've been dealt a certain hand in life. I've been dealt a certain hand in life how do I find that joy and that purpose? I mean, I know I, when I think about it, it's probably like, I need to not be resistant to whatever hand I've been dealt, but I would love to hear what tips you have for somebody that might be struggling with this. Sure. So as you asked me that question, I correlate it to where I'm from in Daytona beach. Although I don't live there anymore, I was born and raised and a lot of surfers get in the water, they get on the board. And the first time they try there's no way they're going to balance themselves. Well, there's just no way they're going to, you know, pivot their foot, try to stay on board. The waves come, you cannot stop them. You don't know if they're going to be big or high, but once they get up there and they practice and it becomes routine, you see these amazing people, you know, just balancing. That is the way that life is with God. We have all kind of waves that are going to crash in front of us. So my first tip, if that happens and waves are going to come, they're, they're just inevitable. Just expect them. (laughs) Number one, number one would be to pray. Even if you are not a Christian, no matter who you speak to prayer, meditation, quieting our minds. When I say quiet, I mean, phone off dog, put away, whatever, really quiet in our minds to speak to God as a friend and say, this is what I'm going through and I can't take it anymore. It reminds me of Isaiah, that sun stand still prayer. When you hear that, Pastor Furtick wrote a book about it. Sun stand still prayer. It's the truth. Be as bold in that prayer as you need to be. When Giovanni died, I'm serious. I was on autopilot in the car, listening to Christian music. I can't even tell you how I got from A to B for the first month. Literally. I don't, I remember it, but I mean, I was on autopilot prayer, that prayer, just the pause. That's the first, like, God, please help me through this. I don't know how to do it. And he'll give you that strength. That would be the first number two. I specifically know that talking about things is so important. So sometimes we hear somebody say, go to a therapist, go to a professional. And they were like, I don't want to talk to nobody. You're crazy. Um, that is the most profound 
wisdom that anyone can have because it's a qualified ear that is listening to you. You don't got to worry about gossip. You know, somebody like, Oh, you're all up in my business. You don't have to worry about if you're married bombarding your spouse or trauma dumping something on your spouse because you can't deal with it. They can't deal with it, but a licensed psychotherapist, psychologist, therapist even will allow you to exude whatever it is in your heart and mind and listen to you and help you get through. And I don't care if you can't afford it. There are resources in your city that you can look up where even churches will, you know, pay for the first sessions or the state will, I don't know, but whatever the resource is, get some help. You know, that that's first, that that would be the second thing I'm saying when you're just going through difficult times, you got to release that. The third in any situation when I'm struggling with something and I've learned to do this better than I ever had in my whole life is taking time for self. I cannot be well for anybody else until I'm well. And that means a whole bunch of things, how my routine is in the morning, what I'm doing before I go to bed at night. mainly for me, I, when I first get up, I have to drink, you know, just a little bit of water. If I don't want water, I drink tea, um, just to get that fluid going. And then I do devotion because I'm going to say to God, if I have a PhD in another field, why wouldn't I have a PhD in God? And the only way I can do that is to read about them. You can talk all day long. I might know the scriptures, but am I applying it? How can I apply it if I don't know it? Right. I love it. I, I like want to scream right now. I'm like, yes, I love this. I love it. Just I mean, keep going. <laughs> yes, truly, truly. And there's many great devotions. And I want to just say this to your listeners. Some people are like, oh my goodness, what do I start with? Cause you know, they, they may not want to just pick up the Bible and go, okay, Genesis to revelations. There's devotions that can guide you. Um, I, I have a couple of them, Ashley Faye. I just came from a conference and she has a 30 day one that simple that people can look for. There's, um, Jesus calling, you know, such a great comforting thing. So there there's many, I mean, there's a plethora of guides to help someone, but I would also suggest that getting a uh, calendar, like a Bible calendar, you can download them from on, on a line and truly commit to reading that Bible in one year. For me as a child, I had to do that every year. And my father would go this year, you're going to take these scriptures and apply them towards being a better student. Next year, it would be, I'm going to, you're going to apply this towards saving your money or being, you know, um, a good uh, steward of your money. And so it's like, well, how does Genesis relate to that? I would have to tell him how, <laughs> like it was a theme each year. Wow. So I recommend that now. And even though I didn't see it then, whether growing up in a cult or not, it most likely established the foundation for me loving the Bible and doing what I'm doing now, pivoting from being a professor to going into ministry through a nonprofit and helping churches. Right. So that that's just, you know, something you have to do having that, you know, daily routine of doing that. Um, and and self-care that's a part of my self-care. The other thing is I, with self-care, I have a collage. I could get it right now, but I'm going to stay focused on the camera. 
I have a collage and you know how people do those, um, boards, like a vision Dream board, boards. right? But mine is only a eight by 10 piece of paper. And what I have on it is all the things I love that make me happy. And it's in front of my rolling board that I have so I can see it. So when I get sad, I'm looking and I can see a smiley face. I see my children. I see cupcakes cause I love them as long as they're not chocolate. <laughs> I have chicken wings on there. (laughs) So all the things that make me happy, roses, you know, whatever is there, I just look at it. I don't even have to have it with me, but it's a beautiful thing that it allows me to, to expand. One thing I learned in therapy myself, and I do this too for self-care is I have a little box and you can get these like at, um, Michael's or some, you know, store they're like little, it's like a Velcro little box. And it looks like a secret box that you can put like your wedding flowers in or something like that. Well, I have a small one for my car and I have a bigger one for home. And that is my emergency go-to box. So when I know that I am not feeling well, or I'm stressed, or maybe I look out the window and I'm thinking of Giovanni and I just want to cry. There's nothing wrong with crying, but if I allow that to affect me the whole day, there's no way that I could get through the struggle. So in that box is all of the favorite things physically, tangibly. I have Twizzlers in there. I have a candle, a lemon candle. I love Twizzlers. <laughs> me too. Aren't they good? <laughs> oh, good. Yes. I have a candle, a lemon candle. I have the highlight, the lighter in there. I have, um, AirPods, but they're, they're not the actual loose ones, but it's a reminder to listen to music. I have a photo of my favorite sound of music, uh, DVD, just a picture of it to remind me to go to this. So basically you get the gist, put all the favorite things. There's a puzzle in there and I just need to take a break at that moment. Dig in there. I have an adult uh, coloring book in there, crayons. It allows me to take that self-care break. So I would do that every day for 15 minutes. When you feel like you're not having joy, just do that. You know, it's, it's really important. The fourth. Oh my gosh. I love this. (laughs) Yes. It's wonderful. The fourth tip, and this is just me personally, I have a hard time receiving sometimes like people will say, let me give something to you or let me tell you. And it's like, Oh, but I love to give. So I don't know what people's love languages are. I just know when they're struggling, they need you. So that can be something simple as sending a card. You may not want to go buy them. You can go to the dollar store and get two for a dollar, or you can have your kids make them, or you make them yourself. Somebody seeing a note, even on a sticky note, you're amazing. You're phenomenal. Doing that, going to your neighbor's house and doing something that they didn't expect you to do. It makes their day. And I'm speaking as a mom who has lost a child. There are times like, for instance, Mother's Day, that it's different for that mom. I have other children. I have six other children, four biological, three bonus, the one in heaven. So when I say six, it really, I have seven, the one in heaven. When Mother's Day comes, it has struck me now that there's a hole in my heart. It always will be. It doesn't matter how many kids I have, that's going to be a hole. So there's another mom or dad that's sitting by you right now in your neighborhood that's feeling the same way in your church at at your job. So doing something special for those who are in pain, 
your friends, just reaching out to them, not just by text, surprise them or send them a voice message on the phone. Hey, this is Whitney K. I'm just wanting to know, wanting you to know I'm thinking of you. Those things, that's what I do. Because if I'm struggling, even in that struggle, I can bring someone else joy. Eventually it's going to lift me up. That's just for me. And I encourage other people to do it. And then lastly, and certainly not least, continue the path of improvement. It's hard. It is tough. We are all going to struggle. We're struggling right now in a pandemic that seems to be over, but comes back. We're struggling mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually. So in those moments, continue improving. And I say when I, what I mean by that is, um, continuing education, not just in college, but I'm talking about, you could take a free course. You can go buy a book, a how-to book of something you've never done before. It could be a language. It could be painting, just something because you're learning something new. You're keeping your mind active. And I only say that for two reasons. When my son took his life over a relationship, I just didn't know how huge mental health is to affect someone so young. But I also see it in adults right now who are confined in their homes or even at work that have nobody to talk to. They're struggling and they're just there. So if you don't have somebody else, get something that will keep your mind occupied to do better, to improve yourself. That's you know, one thing that can help, um, continuing education in maybe cooking, you know, take a cooking class online, go to YouTube, get all the ingredients that you have in your fridge and do that, you know, make a cake. I'm just saying, these are things that I believe help to improve who you are. Learn to quilt, (laughs) you know, I mean, start a podcast, you know, like do like with DK, do like myself, you know, start a podcast, talk to people that helps to get through that struggle so that, you know, there is other people just like you going through that specific thing. So that would be my five tips of tangible things. But first and foremost, over all of that, God is the overarching healer of a struggle and he will get you through it. I believe that. I absolutely love that. Everything, everything you said is, are things that I've practiced when I have gone through challenging times. Never have I ever experienced the loss of a child. I pray that that never happens to me, but I've gone through some very rough times. And in those low moments, I remember one particular time, probably one of my lowest moments Um, I was really struggling and I remember I would put in my, my headphones, they weren't the AirPods at the, they had the cord, but I would put in my headphones and I would go to sleep listening to Joyce Meyer and I would listen to her preachings and I would seriously just fall fall asleep listening to her. And if I, I don't know if I woke up in the middle of the night and I realized I had not gone to sleep listening to her, I would put, I would put something on and listen to her while I went to sleep because you're right. When it comes to prayer, listening, um, just keeping yourself preoccupied on a new task, a new hobby, everything that you mentioned is so powerful. But the one thing I never did, which I found really, really interesting that I love that you do is that self-care box, that box of all, I have the dream board. It's actually my desktop screensaver on my computer. So I see it 
all the time. Um, but I love the box. I, I definitely need to do a box. I think that's really interesting and and fun. And (laughs) I can only imagine like if it's in my car and I pull out an adult coloring book and I just start coloring and people (laughs) are like, what is she doing? And I'm like, I'm having a moment. I just need to color right now, you know, but it's true. It's, it's what works for you. And it's so important. And, and I I love that you touched on all of that. So that's amazing. Oh, go go ahead. I was going to say, I actually have an Etch-A-Sketch in there. You just reminded me of that. Um, when I was a little girl, I, I wasn't allowed to celebrate Christmas or any other holidays. So um, I never really got gifts. And I just remember my dad giving me a bag that was intended for me to go door to door like that former religion did. And then I took the bag. I think I was like five and I opened it and it had an Etch-A-Sketch. I'm like, yay. So that, that means a lot to me. So I actually found an Etch-A-Sketch the same size and I have it inside of that box because it reminds me of the better part of my childhood. So, Oh my gosh. I love I was always fascinated with the people that could create some really beautiful drawings on that etch sketch. I'm like, how, how do they do this? Yeah. <laughs> I attempted not it. it. Right. Not erase yeah. it. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I was, that's not a skill that I have and that's just fully okay with me, <laughs> but I love that. So, I mean, you kind of have already answered the question that I was going to ask, but I don't know, there might be something different. What, what do you do on challenging days? When, I mean, do you pull out that box? Is that what, is that your go-to method? Is that what you do when you're having a challenging day? So that's one of the things that I've done. And I have to credit, uh, my therapist, Lindsay, she, she's just amazing. And, And I say she's a trauma therapist that has encouraged me to step outside of my comfort zone and just take care of me, especially in the middle of a major trauma, like losing your son, hearing his last breaths. And I mean, it's just so many things. So that is something I do have. And that's why I have the little one in my car as well. But I also have learned to, to really do these three things. I love to read. I do. I mean, that's like at the top of my list, but I was so busy that I wasn't taking the time to read anything other than the Bible. So I have sat on like literally in the middle of the day, even if I have stuff to do, I sit outside or I go in my office at where I'm, where I'm at or here. And I take 15 minutes and just read. And that helps me to relax And I've also picked up a new genre of a book. I'm a creature of habit and I'm trying to get better at that. I don't need to not be me, but my husband's like, you just will not try new things. And I'm like, yes, I do. And then I realized, no, (laughs) I'm a creature of habit. So he loves Vince Flynn. And this goes back to what you just asked me about, like the challenging things. Vince Flynn is a warrior to me in the sense that this man was dyslexic. And they told him he would never be anybody other than what he was, that he would never succeed. He was here from St. Paul. Unfortunately, he passed away of cancer at 43 years old, just a few years back. He got to enjoy the success of having a best-selling book, graduating college, having a wife, having kids. And now his book is a movie that is a, a bestseller he has written for 24 and all other kind of mystery um, shows that crime shows and stuff. But I don't necessarily like the genre because that's my husband's thing. But he just said, just read one book and you'll see the series all go together. So I started it and now it's been a ritual 
to um, just get into the book, you know, minus out the things that I don't like. Like I wasn't raised with cursing. I'm not picking anybody else, but I hate it. So I black it out <laughs> in the book. He's like, just don't do that to my book. And, um, but I listen and I see the struggle that this man had. And I'm like, if he can do it, I sure can get through anything. So that helps reading. Someone also sent me a chime to remind me that when it blows, that it's my son talking to me in heaven from heaven. So, um, I go outside on the porch. I smell the flowers. I, I love the smell of fresh cut grass because my father was a landscaper. So I sit there and when that chime blows, it's like in my mind at that moment, why am I thinking about a struggle that I have no control over? And I just sit there and I will pray and relinquish it to God to say, I can't do this on my own. Can you do it for me? So those are minimal things. Um, I like movies. My husband and I, we do date night um, when we're struggling with something because, you know, marriages can really suffer when a child dies. And that's, that's a big thing on us. We're also a blended family, interracial family. So we go to movies, we do date night. What we do for us is um, my husband will pick where to go one week. I pick the other week. And then the third week we do like a therapy ministry that has, that helps marriages. That's a part of our date. And then on the fourth week, we might go with other couples or find something that is different than we didn't do before so that we're stepping out of that zone. So you kind of look forward to that. And that helps me not to focus on, okay, here's the trauma of my life. I was born in the trauma. I, I don't think that way. I'm thinking like, what can I do to make me better so I can be better for someone else? I love that. I absolutely love that. So <laughs> you are just so amazing. Let me just say that right now. Like your story, just everything, just everything about you. I just adore it. What is something I want to know personally, what are you working on right now? What, what's something that you're working on that you're excited about that I can get excited about that our listeners can get really excited about? Cause I'm fired up after just listening to you talk. So I want to know what you're doing. <laughs> so I have two amazing projects that I'm working on. I just released a collaborative book about a week ago with some amazing authors, including the fourth black billionaire in America. And then Jen Duplessis who uh, started the whole thing. And I am just honored to be a part of that collaborative effort to talk about leadership. It's the book is called impact and you can find it on Amazon or on my website, but that was a project that I finished. I just wanted to do that to say, Lord, let my second book get out here and it'd be great. And it, became a national bestseller in one day. And I'm thankful for that. So because of that, there are things that I've written and they're just sitting there as books. And I was just like, I don't know, like in my mind, do I deserve to be a best-selling author? This has happened. That happened. Let me hold this back. So I'm doing a project to simultaneously release all of the books that I have written over the years. And they're all on my website. People can see them and they will be launched just like that campaign was. So anybody in my book club can, you know, be a part of that. They can help to distribute them. But the first, I decided to really focus on what I just went through with my son. This is an epidemic with suicide and with toxic relationships. So rather than bash anybody or even speak totally from a mental health professional, I am not that I'm just a mom. I am a professor, but I know the truth of my story. And so I'm seeking that and I'm 
specifically targeting families and parents who have gone through this tragedy or any school that has teens in it, any location, any church. And so that book will be no more crap, (laughs) like the name of my organization. And that will be the first one that is launched. And then you will see them simultaneously launched in honor of my son. Um, And you can just go to my website and see those. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I have a course that is being launched in the next week, and that is for motivation for what I do as a management consultant. So honestly, I've never had to monetize my life at all. I've been a professor and that's what I did, but I have been given the beautiful opportunity to uh, finish in a couple of years as adding one more title to my name. And that's Reverend, uh, Reverend Dr. Schmidt is what I'll be Reverend Dr. Rose Schmidt. I'm not trying to, you know, start this huge ministry where I'm leading this humongous church. I fall in line with like Priscilla Schreier. I love her. Absolutely love her and how she touches people. So I want to learn the theological language, not just knowing the Bible scriptures. And I've been given that opportunity. So I'm going to monetize myself. So when I'm studying, you will be able to get my course, see me over and over and over and teach in that manner to people about how they can lead well, lead with truth and grace. So that's that. Lastly, no money asked of people. I, this is the greatest project I think I've ever done in my life. Um, it falls in line with my nonprofit of doing one thing a year, but I've decided to do it alongside my son's birthday, which is in September. My dear friend who I have been, uh, eloquently introduced to by uh, Amelia Antonetti, his name is Michael Kutcher. He is the better known twin of Ashton Kutcher. (laughs) We have been linked together because when my son passed away, um, the solace in the story is he saved 73 lives with his tissues, his skin grafts, his organs, and people live on a blind person has his green eyes. My attorney has his kidney. It is just such a joy to know this. So for me to be a donor family and to meet Michael, who is a recipient of a heart for 30 years, which is not common, we have merged together to do an annual event to ensure that 5,000 people sign up to be organ donors. So we are only at 127 right now. And even with your podcast and other people helping us, we want to reach that 5,000 before my son's birthday. So we have many people coming together, helping us, recipients, donors, a ton of celebrities that will be putting out PSAs for us before that time. And we're going to celebrate my son's second heavenly birthday on Clubhouse through the Breakfast of Champions Millionaire Club in there with all kinds of people on September 19th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So they can go to my Instagram, Dr. Rose Schmidt, and get all the information. And um, I just welcome every and anybody, even if they check yes on their driver's license, they can still sign up on our landing page and help. Well, now I'm really curious. (laughs) What What is your life quote, your Bible verse, the thing that gets you by? We all have that one saying that just... It just sits, you know, what is that for you? 
So I actually have two life verses. A lot of people have this, and I, I just know it to be the truth. It's actually sitting behind me on that purple sign, Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Um, you know, God always, always is the answer. Roe doesn't know. Dr. Roe does not know everything. So when I love God with all my heart and I don't lean on my own understanding because my heart is certainly treacherous. Who can know it is what the Bible says, right? So I can't trust my heart. I have to trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my understanding. So that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Philippians 4, 13, always known. You know, that's just, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I love to tell people that when they're saying that scripture, don't say I, say your name. Dr. Rowe can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Whitney K can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When you repeat that repetitively, like an affirmation, you become new in your mind, in your mouth, with everything you say, and you can be the hands and feet of Jesus for anything because you're exuding exactly what you're going to do. Hey, hey, friends. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Uno Moss podcast. How can you help support us moving forward? Head on over to Apple iTunes and leave us your review. We love hearing back from you and what you're liking best by listening to this podcast. And if you are wanting to elevate your brand, position yourself successfully in an online space and increase your profits, then head on over to socialsavvyinfluencer.com and see how you can connect and get involved with me even more. I look forward to Uno Mas podcast next week. Mm-hmm.